Welcome everyone to Around the ACL. Michelle Thompson here with Trey Ryder and Anthony Ione coming off of a packed week and a half of Worlds. So it is essentially the end of our season, although Spencer McKenzie's is coming up, so don't forget about that. But um, so much to talk about. What a fun 10 days. What an exhausting 10 days. Um, but it's all worth it just to experience Worlds. So if you haven't, definitely plan for it next year. It's always the same dates, right, Trey? Yeah, first week in August. First, first week in week August. So we'll be, uh, you know, be back same time next year. So start planning now uh, to come next year. Uh, you won't regret it. Uh, but I asked you before we got on how how you're recuperating, and you got some sleep there, Trey. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel good actually. You know, overall this year was it was different. I don't. I mean, my role was a little bit different this year, but. Uh, you guys made my lives a lot easier this year. You guys, I mean, it just feels like everybody had their own roles and executed at a high level. I felt like last year I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off. And uh, this year it was, you know, we were determined, we were focused, everybody had their roles and everybody executed at a really high level. And even when things didn't go our way, it just felt like, it felt like we had a backup plan for a lot of different things. And, um, you know, overall, I, I couldn't be more impressed with the team and impressed with everybody. So this has just made me even more excited. I felt like last year, this is so weird to say, I felt like last year I was like, please just give me like a couple months just to, just to regroup. And like, as well as this week went, I'm like, let's go. Like, I'm like, I'm almost like, let's just roll into it. Right. I'm, I'm heavy in prep mode. I needed my sleep. I might sleep in this weekend as well. So like physically my body may need a little bit of a rest, but like my mentality is even more so just like, let's do this and make it even bigger and better. That's awesome. Anthony, how about you? How'd you recuperate? Yeah, no recuperation. Uh, that's just how it goes. Mish, Mish keeping me up late all night, you know, uh, making me party every night. So yeah, that was for sure me. <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, enjoyed it. Had 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 a blast. Uh, you know, uh, kind of enjoyed every moment I could. Did we lose Anthony? We've, he's frozen. Yeah, he's, he's gone. Well, that, that that pretty much sums up being done with the world. Oh, there he's back. You're back hey. now. <laughs> um, yeah, just hanging out with uh, with the players off the boards uh, as well as the staff away from, you know, uh, late nights after the work was done, kind of getting to know everybody on a on a different level. So that was that was really good. Um, had a really good time doing that. But, yeah, got home and it was, you know, school starts. So I got one about to go to college and then um, a couple getting ready for high school, middle school. So – we already got the ball rolling on that. <clears throat> and then me and the wife have our 20th anniversary coming up. Uh, we leave in 16 days now. So we're going to go to, we're headed over to Greece. So pretty excited about that to, um, to kind of hit the other side of the world and, and celebrate our 20th. So just That's awesome. no, no rest. We just, just, just sleep, keep when it rolling. sleep when I die. I know that's your, your phrase. And I a hundred percent disagree. Uh, but you know, <laughs> this is why we're different. Um, but let's get into it. Uh, let's start off with ACL pro singles, our world championship, first place, Jamie Graham, second place, Chris Kingsbury and third Gavin Cano and Tony Smith. What an emotional and well-earned win from Jamie. 
not so much in that final match because that was kind of a, a, an unfortunate situation for Kingsbury, but getting there was really, I mean, impressive, the, the run that he had to make to get there. So congrats to uh, Jamie and, and everyone else for making it there. Trey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I just, man, Jamie Graham wins it again. First ever player to have two pro singles world championships. And uh, I just, I'm just so impressed. I mean, to be honest with you, there's not really another term. All season long, we've been talking about Jamie Graham's still good, right? And then when he made the run at Cornhole Mania, it was it was like, hey, kudos to Jamie. But at the same time, I don't know how many people were bought in, right? We were still bought into the Justin Burton Jr. hype, and we were still thinking Mark Richards was going to come back and make a statement. We were beginning to talk about Tony Smith and the dominating run that he's had. And we spent so much time over the past few weeks talking Mark Mark Richards, Tony Smith, Mark Richards, Tony Smith, just going back and forth between those two. But ultimately for Jamie Graham to put together the run that he did, it just shows you how, how gritty he is and how good he is. And, you know, at the drop of a hat, he can just put it all together and, no other way to put it. He was just dominant in the way that he played. It wasn't that he was running every bag in the hole. It wasn't like he was hitting a roll shot or, you know, dominating with an airmail. He had a complete game from top to bottom that he executed such at a high level. And he went through an absolute onslaught of players to get to that final. I mean, we're talking Matt Guy, Mark Richards, Kyle Malone, Josh Holland, Adam Hissner twice. I mean, ultimately, uh, and then and then Gavin Cano and Chris Kingsbury in, in the finals. Um, the finals was maybe a little bit of a letdown, but I think it was really a culmination of how dominant he had been as a player over the over the entire day. Um, I think Jamie, you know, well earned well earned his victory. It was an emotional win for him, him solidifying that he's back after the emotional roller coaster that he's had. Um, so just impressed there. If I'm if I'm given any other Im, Im, impressed, uh, uh, you know, Anthony Anthony impressed me for picking Gavin Cano to win the whole thing, and Gavin wins his bracket. <laughs> uh, came up three points short to taking down Jamie Graham. And if Chris Kingsbury had played the way he played in the semi uh, in the finals against Jamie, if he had played that way in a final against Gavin Cano, we'd be talking about Gavin Cano being a pro singles world champion. So. Um, Ultimately, Gavin Cano really impressed me. He makes singles and doubles. Tony Smith was the best player in the building before he got to the broadcast court. I don't want to let another broadcast court loss overshadow the fact that Tony Smith was by far and away the best player that that I saw in pro singles during that bracket play. Um, but he didn't get the job done, and that's what's that's what the difference is right now between Jamie Graham and. And, and Tony Smith, Tony, Jamie Graham has been there, done that. He knows how to win on the broadcast court, and he plays some of his best games when he's there. And so ultimately, uh, that's why he got the win. Anthony? Yeah, you kind of – your four bracket winners in Smith, Kingsbury, Cano, Graham. Kingsbury, a surprise coming out of his bracket to win. <clears throat> Not a surprise to go deep. We've seen the success he's had over the over the season – Thought maybe like a top four, top five finish would be really good for him in the bracket, but to take down the bracket really impressed with him. And then you mentioned Kano. I feel like Kano this year is my Joe Neistead last year. You know, a guy that I kind of went out on a limb earlier in the season saying, watch out for this kid. Finished really similar to where Joe K did last year. And now Joe K, like a top 
10, 15 player, I think Kano could be that next year as well. And really a late season surge. We saw him win a late shootout. He goes into Worlds, wins a bracket. Um, <clears throat> where else did we see him? Shootout final. He made it all the way to the shootout final, going through that elite eight, making it to the bottom. So a late surge by Kano. I think he comes into next season um, top 15 guy and maybe even squeezing a top 10. He's that good. Um, <clears throat> Graham, not a guy we expected to win a bracket, uh, but not a surprise he wins a bracket. He's that kind of guy. But you mentioned that run. And, and, and to kind of put that in perspective, that was all through the loser's bracket. So a lot of guys taking early losses. Grams takes kind of an earlier loss to Adam Hister. So when he's going through Matt Guy in the loser's bracket, Matt Guy out. Mark Richards out. Kyle Malone out. So he's going through this run of players, knocking players out of the tournament. Josh Holland was in there as well. So when you mentioned who the best player in the building was, it was Jamie Graham that I actually followed because of the game he had against Matt Guy. He was so good. I was like, I got to stick with this guy. I think he's going to ultimately win this thing because that's how good he was. No joke. Jamie Graham versus Matt Guy. He laid, and I'm not exaggerating here, I would say 25 perfect level one center blocks. I'm like, this is exactly how you beat a Matt Guy. And then he goes into Mark Richards playing that similar speed control game. He was so good the whole tournament at stopping the bag short of the hole, cleaning up to finish and maximizing points. So, I haven't seen Jamie Graham throw that good since 2020. Um, it was literally the 2020 Graham coming in. Completely restructured his pitch coming in. Completely. It was a completely different guy. The, the, the way that the bag was flying was different. He got rid of the little step through that he had. His uh, The way that he was coming through in his backswing, his release, where the bag was positioned in his hand on the forward swing, all completely different. And it was exactly what he needed to win this thing. So... But yeah, in that final, you had um, uh, Tony Smith losing to Kingsbury 21 to 6. Speed, board speed, absolutely his nemesis on there. We know Tony Smith is going to beat anyone on the planet when the board speeds match his game. They did not match his game on the broadcast. You see bags going off the back, cuts weren't cutting. Rolls weren't rolling, so he was definitely struggling through that. And Kingsbury, or Kingsbury was gas. He couldn't miss. Like I think it was like first four or five rounds, he was just pouring him in. You know what he was doing really well, and I love it that Mish called it out on the broadcast. Perfect timing. He said, "I'm going to push through all of these blocks," and that's exactly what he did. Anything in the way, he was down the middle, cleaned it up, and that was the key to his success there. Um, but yeah, Connor was down in that final or in that match against Graham, sixteen to four. He comes all the way back and gets to 18, but Jamie was, he threw an 11-4-5 in that match. 41 of 44 in the hole um, in the final, uh, in that finals match. So no one was beating Graham down the stretch. He was just too good. Yeah, he wanted it and he got it. Moving into pro doubles, uh, Caleb Batson, Eddie Grindersleeve go for the three-peat. Gavin Cano, Fisher Hamilton take second. Tony Smith, Jacob Trzinski, and Mark Richards and Philip Lopez Jr. are your third place winners. Trey, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it's officially the best season we've ever seen from a doubles team. You can't argue that. We've never seen a doubles team win two nationals in a world championship ever. We've spent all this time talking about super teams, right? Jamie Did they Grimm finish Mac one after it was all said and done? Yes, they did. Yes, okay, they I, did. I thought it was going to be close. I was like, how can you finish three and not take first? Because mm -hmm. I think Smith-Trzinski came in one, right, and then still made the final. Okay, so they did Correct. take it. 
Okay, good. Right. Who also Smith and Trzinski lost in the semifinals. Ironically enough, if Smith and Trzinski had made the final again, no. they still would have been number one based on points. <laughs> That's crazy. Just because that first finish, the one Batson and Grindersleeve had two finishes at nationals that weren't really that great. Whereas Smith and Trzinski, every counted Assistant. bracket was was a, a final four finish. So just ultimately, it was a little bit weird. People may argue that the points were, you know, you should win more points for, for winning the entire thing. I agree with you. I felt like the bonus points are high enough already. We've already talked about bonus points being being really, really high. But anyway, um, yeah, never seen a team like this. Jamie Graham, Matt Guy, super team. They've won two before, but never won a world championship, right? We've talked about Rawls and Birchfield. Talked about them being kind of a super team. You know, never come anywhere close to that, right? Dalton McClem and Kyle Malone, they won two nationals in one season. We talk about them being one of the most dominating team, teams ever. They didn't win a world championship, right? I mean, you go through the list of all these dominating doubles teams and no one comes even close to what we've seen from Kayla Batson and Eddie Grindersleeve so far this season. I think, you know, ultimately they, they've just impressed me so much. I, I can't get over how impressive it is what they have done at this level. Um, as consistent as they've been, and they know how to win on the broadcast court, they know how to come back on the broadcast court. Every single game that they've played on that broadcast court, it feels like they've been down. And they love been the media to, timeout. Yeah, they love the media timeout. They've been able to fight through it to be able to come back and get some big wins. So there's not much else I can say between the greatest season we've ever seen from a doubles team, and there's no way that you can refute that, right? Um, and I couldn't be more happy for Eddie Grindersleeve. He feels like he finally gets his his signature season that he's been around for so long for. Um, other names worth mentioning, Kano and Hamilton. Uh, they've been so good, and they'll continue to be so good. I don't even felt like I don't even feel like they gave that one away. They really just it was just close game, right? I mean, I don't think they choked. I don't think they had a bad game. I just ultimately think Grindersleeve and Batson were able to take it. So. We'll continue to see Hamilton and Cano. Richards, you know, um, both on the single side and the double side, I have I have no worries whatsoever. I mean, you're talking about Jamie Graham going on a historic run and Mark Richards loses to him by three points in singles. He has a, a very uncharacteristic bad game on in the semifinals of doubles where he throws a 7.8 PPR. Crazy. I, I don't even... I don't even know what to think of that when I see Mark Richards throwing a 7.8. I'm throwing that out. He's shown that he can win on the broadcast court. This wasn't a choke to me. This was a maybe a bad bag selection, bad mentality. Something wasn't jiving. Throw it out the window. So not necessarily worried about them. Smith and Trzinski, again, probably the most dominating team on the season outside of the broadcast court. Um, and I don't know what it is about that broadcast court that's throwing them for the loop, but Eventually, they got to find a way to get it together as we head into next season. Um, ultimately, um, you know, the day belongs and the and the recap belongs to Batson and Grindersleeve because uh, it's a hard-earned victory. Anthony, anything to add? Yeah, that Richards Lopez Grindersleeve Batson semifinal was weird. So it wasn't just Richards. If you look at everybody, all four guys threw sevens and eights <laughs> yeah. in twenty rounds of play. You've got a a Batson who threw 70 plus straight in one uh, national. You got a Richards who's the, you know, coming in as the number one player on the planet. Grindersleeve's throwing gas. 
all four of them, take them all in 20 rounds, one four bagger, one out of the entire match. <laughs> what? Um, in, insane. Um, so it, it's just, I wouldn't say that Mark Richards threw trash. It's just the game that was presented to him. He did go like, I want to say 0 for 4 on airmail, some clutch airmail, but <clears throat> every time it was congested. So if he missed an airmail, you know, then the next bag was a missed airmail. So it was just kind of this trade. I think he was making good decisions. I was right behind the boards on that one. And so I got a really good feel of the game. I think he was making all the right shot selections. You know, sometimes when he was trying to roll, it just stacked. You know, sometimes when he was trying to push through, it just wedged. So it was just this weird game of low PPRs for everybody. But ultimately, uh, they ended up losing that one. Um, the other one, Smith Trzinski versus Hamilton Cano, could have gone either way. 21-20. 23-20 if you want to call max points, but losing by a point, that one could have gone either way. It was Kano and Hamilton that sneak through, but then don't sneak through the finals. 21-20 in the finals, that one could have also gone either way. It was all about the Caleb Batson show. If you go to the semifinal match, he was trash, and he'll tell you I was trash. Now, everybody, everybody kind of threw weird in that game. Not the finals. Batson, literally, I would love to see how many bags he threw in a row at one point. I want to say he was like four or five four baggers in a row at least. Um, but that win, it comes down to, if you go to any Eddie and Kano's side, they washed. They threw the exact same PPR, zero on the DPR. So they were a wash. It goes to the other side. Who got that last point? Batson with a 65% four bagger. Fisher Hamilton threw awesome. He threw a 10-7-9, but Batson put like one or two more bags in the hole the entire match to win it. So that that game was absolutely that that entire series I thought was pretty awesome, but that finals could have gone either way. Um, but happy for for how it turned out and those winners. But yeah, it was exciting, exciting matches. I asked Gavin, like, how, is that kind of weird? You lose to an, another you know fellow team of yours from Texas, and he said it's hard to be anything other than happy for him. Like, really is. I I thought that was a cool perspective that he had. He was genuinely happy for for KB and Eddie, um, which is cool to see. All right, yeah, I was uh, I was kind of favoring just one. Con I made a hot take as we win, and I said, "We're going to get a sweep. Whoever wins singles is going to win doubles." So I had already I already called out Hamilton and Cano to win doubles. I already called out Cano to win singles. So I'm like, this might play out perfectly. But hey, it was a good. You would have looked Kano. very smart. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been good. We can't have you looking that smart, Anthony. It's just Facts. not good. It's not good for Trey and I. Um, <laughs> all right, moving into the Pro Shootout Championship. Men's singles went to Kyle Malone. Women's singles, Cheyenne Bubenheim and doubles, Jay Rubin and Jordan Power. I'm curious to know for Rubin and Power um, how they weigh the this shootout win versus last year's World Championship doubles win because the shootout win, it's a nice, it's a nice check there. Yeah. But 10 rounds. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to know the perspective on that from the players. I would too. And, you know, I think I heard Jordan say this one feels just as sweet as last year. I think okay. partially it's because maybe last year, right? I mean, they were viewed as a top team. And I think Jordan in particular has been hearing it a lot this year that he wasn't the same player he was last year. He wasn't as good. You know, he's just a talker. He doesn't win anything. And like, Ultimately, I was like, I don't know how I, 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 he just puts together. He knows how to win, right? I mean, that's really what it is. You look at him statistically. Jordan Power is not that impressive statistically. But 
there's something to be said about just figuring out how to win. I mean, look at him even in singles and pro singles. He, he beats Tony Smith. He's sitting in the king seat. Ultimately, he gets double dipped by Tony Smith, but still one of the best players in the entire day. A fifth place finish at the world championships is an incredible feat, right? Um, so when I see people say things like Jay Rubin carries the team, my gut tells me, I mean, he may be the most obviously outward dominating player, but Jordan Power knows how to win. And sometimes you like to have a teammate that just knows how to win. Um, they were fun to watch. Uh, the comeback Kings do it again. So they, they were down going into the media timeout. They come back to win again. And, uh, you know, both of them played at a really high level. Um, I felt bad for Ryan Wiedenfeld. I saw him. He was pretty emotional after the victory, just sitting off by himself. And it was it was tough to watch. But, uh, you know, he'll be back. He's got a career ahead of him. Um, I think the question is, you know, I think Anthony kind of teased this a little bit. But like, do Ruben and Powell – I mean, do Ruben and Power stay together? I mean, you go back-to-back -back years winning a pro shootout championship and a world championship, like – do you, I mean, how, how, what more could you want, right? I mean, that feels like a successful season to me. So that'll be interesting to track during this offseason. Um, on the men's and women's single shootout side, Kyle Malone, you know, really impressive run that he went on, right? I thought, I, I honestly thought, I thought Mark Richards was going to run through it all, right? He had, you know, he, he went through the first game, I thought, relatively easily. Gets into Kyle Malone, and I'm thinking to myself, Richards has had Malone's number for for a good while now, and you knew you you knew Malone was even thinking about it because when he threw that last bag against Kyle and against Mark Richards, he said, "I finally beat him. I finally beat him." Right. So even Malone was thinking about that. So I'm thinking Mark Richards is just going to go through this pretty easily. He doesn't. He ends up having to deal with, um, you know, a, a Kyle Malone who is red hot, and then Malone takes down Fisher Hamilton in the finals. That one's really going to sting for Fisher Hamilton. That short bag right. in that last round is going to haunt Anthony him. Anthony gave an amount for it. What was it, Anthony? A $12,000 mistake. A $12,000 bag in the dirt. Yep. He had the lead 9-7 to seven in the final round. He threw bag one in the dirt. That Just, hurts. Yeah, I mean. That's expensive. $12,000 mistake. So um, he's going to think about that one all off season. And you combine that with the, the pro doubles world championship. I think everybody's got, this is a lesson to be learned by rookies and everything like that. You can be the most talented player in the world, but there, there's nothing that can prepare you for playing on that stage. And unless you have the mentality like a Mark Richards and you have the, the mental toughness, like a Richards does you and you're a Janie Graham you better be prepared to fight some adversity on that main stage. It is a totally different bag game on that stage. And so um, that's a lesson that Fisher Hamilton will continue to have to learn. He did get one win, two wins early this season. That's great. But finishing it at the highest level for the big money is going to become more and more difficult to do. So um, Malone was impressive. And then, you know, Cheyenne Bubenheim, we haven't talked about her much, but if you look at Cheyenne Bubenheim's what she did this past week and put it all into perspective, women's singles world champion, women's doubles world champion, woman of the year, USA Cornhole women's singles national champion, 
and pro shootout women's singles champion. Okay. All of that by Cheyenne Bubenheim. Right. And, uh, I think she continues to show and, and uh, can show that she's one of the, you know, she's, she's a legend in the game, regardless of, of who you talk to and what you look at. And now we find out she did it all pregnant, which uh, I thought was, was interesting. And which first um, trimester is awful. So yeah. <laughs> I'm even more impressed because there is a level of exhaustion in first trimester that can't be matched by anything. So uh, it was it was impressive. And, and uh, you know, I thought it was interesting that she chose not to tell anybody she knew going into Worlds. And I think, you know, probably helped her focus a little bit more because people weren't continuously congratulations, congratulations. So uh, ultimately uh, happy, happy for and see uh, we'll see how it how it continues to to, you know, how she does over the next season, balancing that being a, being a new mom and being a pro cornhole player. But ultimately, Cheyenne stole the show. Well, I think the solution's easy, Trey. The ACL needs to have a daycare. All these babies <laughs> popping up. I mean, come on, let's get on it. <laughs> we got to get this going. Uh, Anthony, anything to add? Yeah, just on the lead-in matches, you had uh, Smith and Kano. Smith was actually down 8-5 to five in the 11th round. Uh, comes back and gets that one. And then Fisher fin finishing out Matt Guy. What do you got to do against Matt Guy? You got to put a lot of bags in the hole. He threw five straight four-baggers to win that one in overtime. Five to four. Look at that score. A shootout game, five to four. So that is an insane battle. And that's, uh, you know, what you typically get against a Matt guy. Um, but yeah, that, that final you mentioned, um, $12,000 mistake um, in favor of Malone. So I'm sure he's at home on the reverse side of that, you know, thanking whoever he thanks because um, that was Hamilton's to lose in the last round. Unbelievable finish. All righty. Moving into our. Pro Teams Championship, first place, Pennsylvania Ringers, second place, Arizona Burn, third place, Missouri Mays, and Ohio Aviators. I'm trying to remember what – do you remember what you had the Ringers and Burn at, each of you, for your grades? I think they were both middle of the road. Okay. Um, I don't. I know we didn't say that they weren't going to be that great, but I don't think we put pegged them as being one of the top teams in there overall. Okay. So, but, but yeah, uh, for the teams, I, I was just, teams was so much fun, right? I thought it was some of the most fun that we've had on the broadcast all of Worlds Week. Um, and to see the team camaraderie, and if there's anything that we learned going back through, the ultimate success for teams this year was team chemistry. Yes. It was not individual talent. Individual talent, going back and looking at those rankings and everything like that, had zero correlation to how these teams performed. Well, you have to think about it because one of the things that I remember, Jane, you know, the, the Carolina Coaster saying is that we had the most people with broadcast experience. And I think that that's really valid, except for the fact that you only have, during the regular season, one series on a broadcast. The, right. the majority of yours is not on a broadcast. So it might be important at the very end to make it into playoffs, but do you think it's as important in the regular season? Yeah. And the other thing that I find interesting is that those that were league leaders in the team series did not necessarily correlate to team league leaders uh, or to, to pro singles or pro doubles league leaders, right? I mean, take, for example, you know, I don't want to – I hate calling people out too much, but look at Matt Guy. Matt Guy's averaging a 10.44 points per round average 
in in singles and and in doubles. But if you look at teams, he's like at a nine six or a nine seven, right? There's a significant difference. You look at someone like a Matthew Creekiller or an Eddie Grindersleeve, considerably higher in teams. Even a you know Justin Burton Jr. and Devin Harbaugh statistically were better in teams, if you can believe that, than they were in pro singles and pro doubles. I think it's a different mindset. And if I'm a captain looking forward to next season, I'm saying to myself, who excelled at a really high level this year at teams? Because those are the players that I want to look out for and perhaps draft moving forward because they embrace the team mentality. As I look into the playoffs, the ringers and the burn both had the two highest energies, I thought, out of the out of the group, right? Especially the burn. The burn to me felt like an island of misfit toys that knew how to play together and they just figured it out, right? They were the highest team statistically in PPR, but when you look at their lineup, they had one player ranked in the top 45, and that was Derek Holland at like 18 going into the world championships. That blows my mind that they don't even have somebody that's captain worthy on their team. They come through and have a really successful season. So I think it's the team chemistry that they developed the support that they were able to overlay onto one another that led to them being so successful. I think something similar can be said about all of the four teams that made it into the the semifinals and the finals. The Missouri Mays were not an overly talented team that I liked on paper, but I think like people like Steven Bernasset, even Ethan Walker, you know, brought some level of team chemistry to everybody and they embraced the team mentality uh, very much so. And, and having some rookies on there may have actually helped them because the rookies may have had something to prove. They didn't play in teams last season. So for them, this is their first opportunity to make a big splash. That was that was certainly fun to watch. Um, even the Ohio Aviators, right? They didn't have that premier number one guy like they've had before because you know, if you look at Trey Birchfield, he didn't have necessarily the season that he's had in the past. Now, with their first pickup being Fisher Hamilton, he was kind of their their go-to guy. But ultimately, they won because they played as a team unit and, and they excelled at a really high level. So the, the, I love that we had three game sevens. The three game sevens made it so exciting in those championships and ultimately um, just excited to see where, where we go from here. Ohio had that pretty important trade too you know uh, was it Dolan Getty I believe is the trade I'm curious to see if you look at their stats versus Shermer Horn and and so you can see the value of that but um pretty big pickup there right at the beginning of the season Anthony anything to add oh I think we got to give props to Trey Ryder and Kat Kennedy Helbert for forcing game sevens um so the um the captains got to pick obviously the matchups but how those were ordered you know, uh, Trey and Cat basically sat down and ran algorithms and complex matrices to to figure out how we get a game seven. I think you guys nailed it pretty good. Um, who were those teams that you were wanting scores on, Mish? Oh, um, I was. Right? You talking about your, your draft? Okay, Ringer, yeah. Uh, Trey gave him a B minus. I gave him a B, and, and then Burn, Burn were, were both Bs. Okay. So yeah, like you were saying, middle of the pack, and then none of our none of our A teams. You know, uh, the Kentucky Colonels, we both gave an A. Um, Carolina Coasters got a high grade from both of us. Bully Baggers, you gave an A minus. So some of these teams, is, it's tough, you know. you just And if you look at the overall stats, if you look at them, 
it doesn't really compare really well to what we see in the pro division. So what's going on in teams is something that we're going to have to figure out. And I think that the, it is amazing how these broadcasts really expose the nerves we always talk about, you know, playing under the lights. I mean, look at some of the performances in Mishu. We'll probably have a better feel uh, either watching. Were you were you on those ones early? I don't think you – oh, you were those. Okay. So, like, how about, like, a Christian Brown? You know, a guy that absolutely struggled in his first match but then showed drastic improvement in, in the final match. I was proud of this kid. I mean – he was a mess going at Mendoza, you know, uh, showed how difficult it is to play on a broadcast. So you can really see. And then there were some players on for the first time that it, they just handled it differently. So th th that's an interesting factor as you're going through and you see these players showing up for the first time, making their runs. You have to start taking into account, you know, all these people out there betting. I mean, I would take into account, has this player played on a broadcast before? And what kind of mindset do they have? Because I think that'll play into your your odds of, of winning bets. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, I think it definitely does for that one time you're on the court, the broadcast court, but most of those matches are off the broadcast court. So I feel like if I'm a captain drafting, I'm, I'm, I'm more going towards how do I create a team that really likes each other that wants to be talking every day on a group text that wants to hang out outside. Like that's, that's what the burn showed us. They said they talk every day in a group chat. They have weekly meetings. I mean, yeah. that, that kind of synergy is what more what I would be looking for because it seems to get stuff done. Honestly, I thought the burn were going to run away with it and only because of the lineup that was set. So, you know, the captains get together and they go and they, they kind of do this snake draft. When it was all said and done, I'm looking at that going, I kind of like the way that this is the burn has these matchups. You know, they had like three. You were right there, Trey. I think they had like three heads in this trying to help decide how they're going to lay this out. And then it's Devin Harbaugh by himself trying to like make these decisions on the fly. So you could see how they worked as a, as a leadership team too. The chemistry was there just selecting the matchups. And when I saw it, I'm like, I think Burns going to run away with this, but Nope. Uh, ultimately that, that, that wasn't, that wasn't a factor. Next up the super hole championship in first place, Shamar Moore and Trey Birchfield take their win. Second place, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson and Jeremy Schirmerhorn. And third, Sonia Richards-Ross and Moses Zazueta and Alexander Madison and Noah Almanza. No surprise there with Shamar. He's obviously the one that played the most. But I was most impressed with Stephen Thompson because he does not play regularly. And man, did he show up. Yeah, he did exactly what you needed to if you were going to beat Shamar. And that yeah. was, I need to put bags in front of the hole. Because the first couple first couple of games that Shamar won, he couldn't hit an airmail to save his life, right? I mean, guy comes from Airmail City, got to hit some airmails. And then, uh, <laughs> but then he put it all together. And in the finals, he he catch up. And it was like, I thought it was fitting, right? He had the opportunity. The, the bags were blocked up. He's got to hit some airmails if he's going to be a Super Bowl champion. And he did. Um, and that was just really cool. Uh, you know, I got to give kudos to Shamar. He was um, – he was so personable with everybody. I, I I couldn't believe it, right? Sometimes I get exhausted from walking around some of these events with people that want to talk to me. And this guy's actually famous. And he's walking around and people are wanting to stop him every two seconds. I mean, he was he was overly personable with everybody that, that walked in the building. And that was that was something I wasn't expecting um at that level. And 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 shout out to him for that. But um he's got some game, man, right? So I think ultimately. You know, if we go over the next couple of years and get some more champions, I think it's going to be great to bring together like a, a Super Bowl tournament of champions. That'll be a lot of fun, right? Um, 
you know, Doug Flutie was really, really good the past two years. He's a two-time champion. I think him and Shamar, you know, will put together a really good show. Um, I think it would be an absolute battle. Uh, I still think Shamar might have a little, have a little bit of an edge there. He's got more of the experience, but um, yeah, I thought it was, it was Stephen Wonderboy was great. Uh, even K- Kel Mitchell when he got eliminated, I was a nine. I'm a '90s kid, so like seeing Kel Mitchell and being able to to meet him, he was so happy about being there. Paige Hathaway loved it as well, and she was. It was funny talking to Paige. This is my one story before I'll turn it over to Anthony. Is just. I talked to, to Paige and like she, you know, this is someone that's got five million social media followers, someone that's in front of camera all the time. And I'm talking to her and she's like, I am so nervous right now. Like she's like <laughs> shaking. And and you know, it just it's like these people are doing things outside of their comfort zone and also, you know, playing in front of a big stage of people and something they're not experienced doing. So I think, you know, that's also kudos to these these people. Um they come out and participate and, and then they made for a really good show. Even Krista Jackson, you know, she was, she didn't win, but she, it was so entertaining to, to start off the Super Bowl show with her and Madison was, was a lot of fun. Yeah. And also our celebrity DJ, uh, Blake, he told me when I was saying goodbye to him that he's going to start training because he wants to come on next season. Yeah. He's pumped for it. Uh, all right, Anthony, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. I think all the celebrities brought it top to bottom, just energy wise, fun. I mean, uh, Kel Mitchell, right? Was that his name? Yeah. Kel Mitchell. He was a ball of energy too. Uh, total comedian guy, you know, um, showed how his dance skills. I, I, I thought he was awesome. Krista was awesome. And then the interviews. I mean, you know, a guy like the Wonder Boy getting up there on an interview, you know, like, ah, the guy's just a fighter. He gets up there, threw down awesome interviews. I thought he was really good in front of the camera. Um, I was pumped for Shamar Moore to come out round one, all that pressure, all the expectation knocks down a four bagger round one. I'm like, all right, here we go. This is going to be good. But yeah. You said it right. I mean, if we look at these, you know, super hole matches, if a, if a, if a celebrity can just put four on the board every time a four PPR, you're going to score on your side. And that's kind of what the wonder boy was doing. He was just throwing this high sticky bag. Boom. One, 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 one. And some stuff was in the way. So he was, he was definitely scoring on his side, but I got to say, man, I'm pretty impressed with Shamar Moore at the end. His partner is Trey Birchfield, who had been throwing gas all day anyway. Um, and post, we rallied into the headquarters afterwards, and me and Birchfield were throwing on one of the boards. He has thrown a brand new set of all or of uh, yeah of um, all slides right out of the box. Stiff as crap. Dude didn't miss like 30 straight bags. I'm like, you you suck, man. I hate you right now. <laughs> but um, dude, Shamar Moore, 50. Four years old, I want to say, he goes and picks up Shamar Moore or uh, Trey Birchfield from the ground on his shoulders and starts hustling around the arena. I'm like, this guy's got me by ten years, and I would blow vertebrae and a hamstring <laughs> if I were to try that. Like, I was pretty impressed with with this guy, man. But um, yeah, it, he was a lot of fun, and I, it, I loved it when we went to interview. You know, it was like, we need to kill some time. We're like, just get, just go interview Shamar Moore. We'll kill like at least three minutes on the broadcast. You get this guy talking and he just keeps going. Uh, what was it, Misha? Um, sipping, sipping and, and winning. winning. Sipping yeah. and winning. I don't actually think I asked him a question. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I, so I think you did. And he gave your, his own answer. It didn't matter what you were going to ask him. Yeah. He had his own script going. <laughs> yeah, I totally. That was a classic Shamar there. 
And our remaining champions, women's singles, Cheyenne Bubenheim, women's doubles, Cheyenne Bubenheim, Sarah Cassidy, senior singles, Frank Maudlin, senior doubles, Jimmy McGuffin and Damon Dennis, co-ed doubles, Eddie Grindersleeve and Deborah Odom, junior singles, Sammy Soto, congrats on becoming a pro, junior doubles, Braden Wilson and Cameron DeBrosia, and U.S. Cornhole National Team, Cheyenne Bubenheim, Jacob Gore, Rosie Streaker, Samantha Finley, Justin Burton Jr., Logan Chamberlain, Connie Altice, and Devin Harbaugh. Congrats to all of our winners. Try anything you want to point out in all of those awesome. Yeah, I talked a little bit about women, so I'll, I'll leave that one. Um, but really, I, the, the talent of the juniors that are going to be coming into the pro division next season, I think is really, really high. I mean, it's crazy. you're adding, you're adding Sammy Soto, someone who won the juniors national championship, who was already won an open this season alongside Logan Chamberlain, someone that's got every different one of those shots. And he's one of those calm, cool and collected kids. I mean, someone that's going to show up to the board stone faced, throws a lot of bags in the yes. hole. And I think that that plays in a lot to his mentality. Right. And I think he'll have a lot of success on the flip side. You're going to get guys like Ryan trader and uh, Braden Wilson who are younger kids, I believe 13 and 11, I mean, years old, but they got some personality. Right. And so they're going to be players that are going to throw a lot of bags in the hole. They're going to, they have a lot of these different varying shots, but I think what's going to be interesting is them competing as a professional cornhole player next season. If they continue to have that fun level of energy that gives them a lot of success, many times we'll see some of these younger kids, they get into that high pressure situation. It becomes a profession for them. Sometimes they lose a little bit of that, a little bit of that. You want to continue to embrace that high level fun personality because I think it'll bring you success in, in different ways. So um, just excited to watch the new batch of these these under 18 kids coming into the pro division and see how that they'll compete at a high level. And I think a lot of people will be looking towards them um, for for rookie of the year ballots. And I honestly think we're going to have another strong rookie class next season. I mean, I look at some of the people that have qualified. I look at you know a Braden Wilson, a Ryan Trader, a Sammy Soto. And then even people who qualified through the qualifier or people that have, have um, you know, qualified through standing, someone like a Caden Allen, even someone like a Jeremiah Ellis, I know has a lot of buzz coming in to this season. So ultimately excited for the next next batch of ACL pros, uh, really propelled by those those juniors there. How about Eddie Grindersleeve and Deborah Odom? I love that team and I love how excited they were. And uh, I just think that's a fun co-ed doubles team right there. Yeah. I mean, Deb, Deb and Eddie are just, it's great when you see two people, like anytime you can take a two top players and put them together and they're fun to watch. But when you take people that have a, a relationship, right. Or they have, you know, some friendship, whatever it is, get them together. And, and it's special to watch them win together. And I just love how sometimes just Eddie will talk to Deb, right? I mean, it's like, it's almost like mom. It's like, mom, just throw the bag in the hole. Like, no, like, Mom, don't step out. Get back in there. Well, like, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes that the way they communicate, I always find it was super interesting. But and you know the fact that Eddie calls Deb on a daily basis, I think it just shows how strong their relationship is, and um, certainly one that was fun to watch them win a world championship together. Anthony, who do you want to talk about? Man, a lot to talk about uh, with that list. I'll, I'll try and go through pretty quick. Um, USA uh, national team, so women's doubles. Uh, it was Kaylee Hunter and Allison Reniger making it to the finals against Streaker Finley. 
Um, really impressed with Renegar. Uh, my first look at her, I, I see the name all the time, but my first look at her, beautiful technique, young girl. I think she's like 15 years old, shows a lot of promise. I think that she'll be a great player um, going through, but streaker through gas. She missed three bags the entire match. And Finley uh, com uh, complimented her with a 10 PPR. Uh, men's doubles. Uh, this is USA national team. You had Burton Jr. and Logan Chamberlain against Nate Stevens and Caden Allen. We got Caden Allen's first ESPN appearance. So here's an amateur getting one out of the way before he's a pro. And we saw what that did for Fisher Hamilton. It was huge to kind of break the seal for a guy that's going to be consistently on a broadcast. And I think Caden Allen is one of those guys that will be consistently on a broadcast. Really excited for Nate Stevens to get out there and compete on a broadcast in this type of format outside of a team's format, you know, a men's doubles. Um, let's see, co-ed, uh, we have a repeat, you know, uh, Devin Harbaugh and Connie Altice getting it done. Frank Modlin, uh, Bubenheim held up her side of the boards. Frank Modlin did not. Um, most people not know he was actually struggling with a pretty severe rib injury through the whole weekend. Uh, I think he was something about putting like a, a trailer on a truck and something bad happened and hit his ribs pretty bad. Um, so he was struggling earlier in the week. I think it got a little better as we got to the backside of the week. But a repeat for Harbaugh, Altice. Men's singles. I think I said earlier in, in error, I said uh, Kano making it deep in shootout. What I meant was making it deep in this singles event, the USA national team. Um, there's Kano again in a final against a Jake Gore. <laughs> Jake Gore was just insane. Um, 11 PPR over 26 rounds. Kano threw great. He was a 10-3-6 and loses. That's what you got to do. Sometimes someone goes hot like that and you got to just figure out a way to kind of wait for them to cool down change your game or stay with them um but no staying with them 22 to 6 connell loses 22 to 6 and threw a 10.38 um so that that you know gore just went off women's singles on the u.s we had bubenheim streaker streaker was down 15 to 6 she comes back 18 to 9 um, so almost made that one interesting 26 round battle another example rosie throws a 10 6 5 and loses to a 10-8-1. So we're seeing like these fractions just make a big difference. And now 10.5s don't win. You know, we're like 10s don't win. It was like nine and a halfs win, 10s win. Now, now you need above a 10.5 with a solid cleanup game to go with it. Um, the doubles, we got a good peek at this Ryan Trader kid in both uh, in juniors, doubles and singles. Uh, Ryan Trader is nice. Uh, another young kid. He's got a lot of extra movement in his swing, a really long kind of elongated backswing, a lot of movement, but man, does he control that bag really well. I was really impressed with him. And then we got to see Braden Wilson. I was really bummed for him. We get to the interview. Braden Wilson just wins a big match on ESPN. We get to the interview. He's got his headset on and he's got no volume. Amisha, I think you heard that. I think he was like, what did he say in the mic? He said, I can't hear anything. And he said it like, as I think Cameron was giving his interview answer so it's like as he's talking he's like i can't hear anything i'm like oh my god this so the audio is. guys are trying to get him all wired up while we're interviewing he didn't even get a chance that was the only thing he got to say in his interview i yep. can't hear anything done yep. so that's that was your uh your look at Braden wilson uh in the interview but yeah like you were saying i think you said it best with sammy soto i mean just cold the guy just looks cold he just looks focused up there like Nothing wants, nothing phases him. And he actually said he was nervous. We were pre-interviewing him. I, he said, I'm really nervous about it. I was like, dude, just do like you always do. To me as an outsider watching you play, you look cold. Like you look like your face is just like not bothered at all. And that's what he did. He went out there and just kind of stayed focused through there. And he was down 10 to three and came back to win that one. So showing more Texas strength. 
the state of Texas continues to get stronger. Uh, and Sammy Soto, a guy that plays with the best, he's battling with Burton Jr. and Chamberlain on a daily daily basis. Watch out for maybe a um, you know a, a Sammy Soto coming in and being a top twenty guy next season. I got more oh. Amish, but we're running out of time. <laughs> yeah, we are. We get next time, Anthony's next time. <laughs> All right, Trey, you got a hot take for us? Yep, I'm going to predict the entire Rookie of the Year ballot next year. What? Oh, oh snap. Okay. Ready? Entire ballot. Braden Wilson, Austin Cameron, Jeremiah Ellis, Sammy Soto, and – Who's the um, fifth? Who's the fifth? Who is the fifth? I'm with um, you to this point. Not so, so I missed three juniors. Who did I miss? It's uh, I'll go Caden Allen. So, what did I say? Braden Wilson, Caden Allen, Jeremiah Ellis, Austin Cameron, and Sammy Soto. So, that's just go, a Ryan Trader. That's, okay. the one you, that's the junior you missed. Yeah, Austin so, uh, Cameron may be the only one. Uh, I don't know. I'll think about that one. My hot take um, top to bottom, top 10 players, one through 10, are going to have a developed roll bag. If you look at the top 10 right now, the only player in the top 10 without a developed roll bag is Alan Rawls. Otherwise, maybe you can argue a Devin Harbaugh. I think that's developing, not developed. I say next year to be a top 10 player, you have to have a developed roll bag. And when I say roll bag, that includes our cut, rut, bicycle, whatever you want to call lifting one side of the bag to get over a blocker. You got to have it to be a top 10 player. All right. Mine is, you know, we give a lot of attention to these junior players. I think the junior player that we'll be looking at for next season, Cash Chamness. That little seven-year-old's yes. got it. Yes. I think he's going to be a, a big conversation coming into next season, um, so look out for him. All right, that's all we got time for. We'll see you guys all next time. Thanks for joining us.